Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 50 of the One Mind Meditation Podcast. My name is Morgan Dix, and this is a podcast about mindfulness, meditation, and health. And I can't think of a better person to interview for episode 50 of our podcast than one of my closest friends, Ross Robertson. Ross and I met over 20 years ago at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia, where we were both studying English literature. We shared a love for literature, poetry, environmental activism, and spirituality. Eventually, our lives overlapped for nearly a decade of intensive study together in a meditation ashram. These days, Ross is living in San Francisco where he teaches English to 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. And recently, he started teaching them how to meditate. So Ross and I spent this episode exploring his experience of teaching meditation in the classroom. And one of my favorite parts in this interview comes about halfway through when Ross talks about why he feels he doesn't need to meditate anymore. According to Ross, After thousands of hours of practice, meditation has left an indelible mark on his being. The way he describes that mark is provocative and compelling. I think you're going to find it very interesting. So without further ado, let's jump into my interview with Ross Robertson. Ross, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you on here, man. Thanks very much. It's great to finally find a reason to join you to talk about meditation yeah uh, everybody ross is like you know, he's one of my best friends in the universe and there are a few people i have as much shared history with at least as you know from a young adult to a, an adult and uh across the universe and back so very very <laughs> good to have you on here all right so what we want to talk about today is you're teaching meditation to your sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. You're, you're a teacher. You're primarily a teacher of English, right? Yeah. Tell us a couple of things. Like one, may, can you just set the scene for us a little bit? Where do you teach? What do you teach? And then how did you come to this point where there was, and whose idea was it? How did you get to the point where like, yeah, I'm going to teach these kids meditation? Because yeah, I'm I'm interested in that. Great. So yeah, I am a middle school English teacher at a small private school in Mill Valley, California, in the Bay Area, called Ring Mountain Day School. And I I teach sixth, seventh, and eighth graders uh, literature and and writing. And it's a very conversation-focused curriculum, very participatory. And it's a because it's a small private school, there's a lot of flexibility with curriculum. Hmm. And we have um we have electives that rotate quarterly. One of the teachers at the school, the math teacher, the middle school math teacher, does do some mindfulness stuff with the kids, particularly with the lower school kids, the you know kindergarten through fifth graders. Yeah, and I don't, I've never actually been in the classroom when she's doing those things, but it's you know it's body awareness and breath and various mindfulness kinds of pointing out instructions, I guess, and exercises, and just to to teach them about presence and you know self awareness and. Uh, how to relax and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know? But in terms of the elective, you know, I uh, I did ultimate frisbee in the fall, which was super fun. Yeah. And when I was thinking about 
there wasn't a ton of thought that went into it. It was just like, okay, what am I going to do next? And obviously meditation is something that I know a lot about from the life that we lived together yeah. in a spiritual community for all those years and something I've, I've loved for, for many decades. And I was like, hey, I can maybe I can see if anybody's interested in this. So I put it out there and the kids get to choose, you know, what they want to, what they want to do. And it was very popular. A lot of the kids were interested. So I, I said, great, we'll do it. Nice. So I just started about a, about a month ago. Yeah. So it's just a once a week thing. So we've, we've had four, I think four classes so far and we'll probably do at least another four, if not six. Yeah. All right. Nice. So let's come back to this and I want to come back and start to ask you a little bit about the curriculum and what you're teaching them in, in this elective. But first, so can you share with everyone a little bit about your experience with meditation? A little bit about, I mean, you don't have to go into detail. You can if you want. But how long have you been meditating? And maybe share with everyone a little bit about the depth of your practice, how much meditation you've actually done and, and in what context and, and kind of meditation that you've done. Of course, I know this, everyone, because Ross and I spent, you know, over a decade together or close to a decade together in an ashram. But I think so everyone understands a little bit about where you're coming from. That'd be awesome. Sure. Um, I don't meditate anymore, but I did for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got interested in meditation when I was a teenager and some a friend of mine was studying acupuncture and, and was doing a lot of holistic body work stuff and she she did like a chakra balancing exercise with me one day and I I I had been getting interested in subtle energy and noticing subtle energy in my body. Um, and I had encountered some basic, you know, like lay level instruction in Kundalini. Yeah yoga and, uh, you know, pranayama and stuff. And, uh, anyway, she did this chakra balancing thing with me and I started to feel like I felt uh, the Kundalini channel open in up, up my body and kind of stay open. So I, I, I felt rather than just the kind of presence of energy in these bursts, I started to feel this flow that was consistent. Mm. Like even if I kind of half took my mind off it, I still could feel energy rising and, and flowing through my body. And it was, I was mesmerized by that. You know, I'd never encountered that before. So in the, in the beginning, that's the kind of meditation I was more interested in. And I was exploring just more on my own. How, um, how, how, when was that? How old were you? That was, I don't know, like 16, 17. Yeah. And then in college, you know, I was doing that kind of meditation as well. I didn't, I didn't have much other training than that. I mean, I'd heard, various things about it, but I didn't have a teacher or anything. Um, you know, we, we were exposed to Sri Chinmoy in college. And so right. le learned some things about his kinds of meditation, but I, I wasn't as serious about that as you, as you, for example, but I had very strong experiences energetic, yeah. like, like mind blowing, you know, like would leave me just like enraptured in tears, like overwhelming, overwhelming, uh, subtle energy experiences doing Kundalini meditation. And that was very inspiring and beautiful and also troubling because I didn't know, quite know what to do with all that power. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was kind of my encounter with meditation, which will become relevant when I tell the story about the kids that I'm teaching now because I've taught them some basic uh, kundalini stuff too. Mm. Um, and then, you know, my major experience was with our teacher, Andrew Cohen. I don't know if you ever 
say him by name. Yeah, or yeah. Not. So, um, and his basic form of meditation, which I think was extremely powerful, and we <laughs> we did many, many, many thousands of hours of it. Yeah, you know, like a a kind of. I, I actually don't. You probably could describe it technically better than I could in terms of where it fits in the traditions, but it, he taught a basic form of Advaita Vedanta. And so he taught a kind of like a Dzogchen like yeah. um, open awareness meditation. And that's the, that's the essential training that I've given to the kids so far is just like very, very simple, straightforward, upright posture, relaxed and attentive. Um, and just, just watching everything and letting it all go. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Like I have another question related to this. Yeah. So you, you and I have spoken, it's a little tangential, but I, I think it's a good question anyways. It's a, you and I have spoken and a certain point we were talking previously about your work with the kids and, you know, you had said, I asked you about the relationship between you teaching the kids meditation and at, while at the moment and for whatever the last few years you haven't been meditating and you said something to the extent which I really loved it when you said it. I'm not going to be able to do it justice so I'm, I'm asking you to maybe speak to this. But you basically said, well, there was something deeper I took away from the practice where I don't feel I need to meditate anymore. Like there's something fundamental I learned and it's in me. And I love it if you could speak to that a little sure. bit. Yeah, yeah. That's no, that's that's great. I and so that was the first day of this elective. I have I guess there's eight students taking it. There there's only thirty thirty five or so middle schoolers. So yeah. it's a very small school. And eight of them are in my my class, and so I was in, in, in introducing meditation. I told them a little bit about my background. Most of them knew that I had been a monk, um, but you know they don't really know what that means. And when I, I, I said it again and reiterated it, they were like, "Whoa, <laughs> Mr. Robertson! Like I didn't know that!" Or "Oh my God!" You know they they were very struck by it, and they feel the quality in my presence that's different than what most people carry and is connected to what you're asking me about. But they don't really know don't know where it comes from or what it is and that's one of the reasons that for me it's been fun to teach this because it's given me the chance to tell them a little bit about my story this is my first year by yeah. the way as a teacher and so I was telling them you know about all the meditation that I'd done and, and they asked do you still meditate and I said no and they, that was really confusing to them they're like why you know and I was like well I said that in my point of view there's kind of two core things in, again, this is just in my own limited experience, but two core benefits of meditating. One is that it you can temporarily change your, the state of your consciousness. So I kind of explained to them what states of consciousness were. Yeah. How, you know, there, there, there's all kinds of different domains and, and regions of, of awareness that you can travel through and live in and, and rise and fall among, right? And uh, yeah. Meditation, one of the core reasons people meditate is to consciously shift the state of their their being, their perception, all that. And that, you know, that's typically seen as a temporary thing, you know. States change. That's one of the main things about them. That there are people who talk about, you know, permanent access to enlightened states of awareness and all that. And I'm 
I, I, am <laughs> sure that's probably possible. And I think it's probably pretty rare. Um, but for the most part, states come and go, right? And yeah. once you do enough meditating, you learn, you learn about the different possible states and they kind of lose some of their, to me, they lose some of their luster. I guess what, what it is, is that they, when I started out, I, I had the idea that, you know, accessing these states was, would, you know, change something fundamental or, or become permanent or that, you know, it was going to be the road to some powerful radical transformation. And I yeah. think it probably was. <laughs> yeah. I think it probably was, but not in the way I thought. Right. I, um, and we shared that. I definitely think that was that for both of us, there was a certain, uh, allure into the practice based on what you're saying and pointing to. Totally. And so I, I told them, you know, once you get really familiar with this territory, it, it's not, you know, it's nice, but it's just, it's more at the level of like, I want to create a, a temporary pleasant experience, not, you know, I need to profoundly learn something from being in this state. So I, I lost interest in ongoing meditation just to manipulate my state, right? Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, you know, there's like, I think, and this is mainly comes from my own experience and the things that I've studied, you know, in, in the ways that I have, I think there are deeper structural, like by structure, I mean, self-structure like psychological and emotional and, you know, conscious formations of, of, of identity and self and, and percep perception, all these things, you know, that also develop and grow and change through meditation. That certainly was my experience. There's just a basic sense of stability and, you know, warmth and positivity and kind of freedom from anxiety and just being buffeted back and forth by the endless movement of thought and feeling, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's some core level that I just am kind of unfazed by stuff yeah. that I used to be very, very phased by. Yes. So that's a beautiful result of meditation. I love that. It, uh, you know, I'm very, I feel privileged to have had the freedom to do so much practice and also to have a teacher who knew how to teach meditation so deeply mm. to learn, or it's not even learn, it's just to, to kind of, to have some core element of myself, awareness and, and perception and uh, sen sense of identity be shaped around a free zone of consciousness, right? Where yeah. There's, there's a lot, there's just less perturbation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was like a permanent change. I don't meditate at all, but I always feel that. Yeah. It's, it's just me. Uh, it's my, it's who I am. And it's, it's definitely connected to that. I've met people who ask me about, that background of you know living a, the, in a very dedicated spiritual life, and they're all, they're almost invariably surprised when I say I don't meditate anymore, and they're like, "Wait, what?" And when I say the reason, which is just you know the 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 most important change that I saw it actually happened, and it and I've, it's mine now. I don't need to meditate in order to bring it back to mind or something. Yeah, um, like holy shit, that's amazing. You know, yeah. I'm like, yeah, it is amazing, and and you too can. Find that also if you if you do it enough. That's the kind of longer term fruits, I think, of the practice. You know, and that's part, to me that's what makes meditation so incredible. Yeah. Um, so so when I said this to the kids, they were like, "Mr. Robertson, are you enlightened?" But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, did, but, all right. So I want to hear the answer. But you you said two things. I'm assuming that was the second thing, right? You said yeah, yeah, yeah. The first thing is the states. Yes. And the second thing is the like is conviction. The, or shift of you know self self identity and, yes. and the, the the kind of root of awareness I guess yeah sorry okay go for it 
yeah, yeah. And so I said, you know, the answer to them was I don't do it because I kind of got the main thing that I wanted from it and I have it now and I don't have to keep meditating to, in order to get it. I don't feel like I need it. I know that if I meditated more, I could cultivate an even stronger, richer, more stable, more fill in the blank form of that kind of self-structure, but it just doesn't feel necessary anymore. Like the, the essential knots in myself and in my relationship to my mind that inspired me to be a spiritual seeker in the first place were resolved through that practice in a way that is very satisfying to me. I don't feel like I need to keep going. Yeah. And that's when they were like, are you enlightened? And I just laughed and I was like, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't really know what that means anyway. And I, you know, this is, that's a side conversation, but I have, I have a lot of thoughts about enlightenment and in a number of ways that I feel it's actually an undesirable state to be in. Yeah. Um, but the question is like, what's it actually mean? You know, and I don't really know. It means all kinds of different things. Different people mean different things by it. And so I'm like, well, I wouldn't go that far or I wouldn't, I just don't frame it that way. But the thing, the thing is, you know, in, in a way from their point of view, relative to the things that we're talking about now, I am enlightened, right? Yeah. It's like I have, I have a fundamentally different orientation because of all that practice. I don't think it's, I mean, it's not really common. I don't think it's some kind of like, I don't mean by it's like this rarefied, specialized, like highfalutin thing that people often think of when talk about enlightened. I would just say, well, you know, I have, I've cultivated self-awareness to a degree that most people haven't, you know, and that's really powerful. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was just a funny moment, you know, and I, I just kind of smiled and I was like, don't really worry about that. But you know, what I just said is true. I don't, I don't really need to do this anymore in order to be able to tell you about it. And it's been beautiful to watch them. The ways that, you know, in a lot of ways, meditation is, is kind of over their heads. They're too yeah. young, particularly the, you know, the, the mind Dharma part of it. But, um, at the level that they can, they're, they're, they're intrigued and they can feel that, I have a kind of mastery about this dimension that they're they're just naturally drawn to, which is really sweet. Yeah. Tell me about then how you started to teach them. What 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 have you been teaching them and and how's it been going? To cut to the chase, there's kind of two two main things I've done so far. And the first was I I just taught them the basic meditation that our teacher taught us, which, you know, he summed up by saying, you know, be still, relax, pay attention. Those three instructions. Yeah. So I taught them a little bit about their posture, you know, not to worry too much about it, but to be upright and to be relaxed physically and to breathe in a natural, relaxed way to close their eyes. And if they want to have them slightly open, that's okay too. You know, I, I tried to help them understand that the point is not the particulars of their posture, but it also matters to not just kind of wobble all over the place. Yeah. Uh, that they're, that what they're striving to do is be really, really still, you know, and stillness is like, you can always be more still, even if you're super still, you can still kind of endeavor to be even more still. And it's a beautiful trajectory of mm. engagement that never, never ends. So stillness and relaxation and, and alertness at the same time, you know? And so I, I told them a little bit about how, that's an interesting paradox to try to to try to hit because if you relax, you often fall asleep, and you know they've had that experience too. Yeah, in the little meditation that they've done with me, and so that it's it's a subtle thing to try to figure out, and that's kind of the the challenge of of meditation in this in this way of practicing. Yeah, and I've talked to them some about just no matter what happens, just doesn't just don't worry about it. You know, it's not something that you're going to be able to figure out 
with your mind. And this, that's, that part of it is kind of over their heads because they don't have that level of like refined understanding of the different movements within themselves, right? Yeah. Um, but just like in a way the message was like you can't really do this wrong. Yeah, yeah. So you don't have to worry about are you doing it well or not or how did it go? Just do it, you know? Yeah. Just sit there, be relaxed, pay attention, and just notice things and see what happens and just don't fix on stuff. And it's sweet, you know? And so the first day we did like maybe five minutes, I think five minutes, maybe mm-hmm. eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, you know, some of them were pretty restless. Some of these kids have like ADHD and stuff, so it was really hard for them to sit still. Yeah. But uh, afterwards, they were they were really happy and they looked at me and were, some of them were, were smiling and they're like, I like that. It feels so relaxing, you know? Yeah. One said, I, I'm so glad that we have electives on Friday afternoon at the end of the week because I get so, you know, amped up and engaged in all these different ways in the week. And this is a really nice way to just relax after all that and kind of let it all go. It was very, it was like, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I taught them that basic practice and, you know, the next time we did it for 10 minutes and the next time we did 15 and the longest I've done, like the longest single session has been 15 minutes, which is pretty good. That is good. Second try or third try. And I, and then I, you know, I invited them to meditate on their own as much as they wanted to. They're not getting graded on this. And, you know, so it's just up to them. But some of them, one of my students is, is loves horseback riding and she goes every weekend up to West Marin to ride her horse. And her mom's car broke down or something. And so she had several hours at the stable where she was just waiting for her mom to get her car fixed to come get her. Yeah. And she said, I just went down by the creek and I just meditated. And I was like, that's cool. What was it like? And she just had, she just smiled in a way I'd never really seen her smile before. Yeah. And was just said, I loved it, you know? And I, I've talked with them some about. Wow. That's a real result right there. Yeah, totally. I mean, I've talked with them some about, in addition to those kind of core instructions about just paying attention to how their bodies feel, you know, Mm -hmm. how their breath feels and how the bodies feel, how, you know, and and just the information coming in from their senses, you know, totally. Um, And, uh, which I imagine is a lot. I mean, I think that's a more for at least young people, but often just for any novice on any path, that's a more relatable. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I gave them that kind of tip as well. I didn't get specific about like count your breaths or, you know, but I just said, you know, just pay attention to the, to the sensations and that will help you arrive in your, in yourself and in in your, in the moment, you know, and, there's like a, a Taekwondo elective that also is happening. So we hear him like, hi, you know, <laughs> calling out. And the kids are like, I can't meditate. That's distracting. I'm like, it's, it's cool. It doesn't really matter. You know, the, the external environment doesn't have to be any particular way. We're not yeah. trying to like get away from stuff. We're just letting it be there and not bug us, you know? Yeah. So part of that is like, is the paying attention to the senses. And Cece, the girl who was meditating at the horse barn, she said that she said the sounds were so beautiful, you know, and I, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a that's a sign to me. Right. Cause, totally. And I shared with her. I said, yeah, one of the one of the m- most memorable and enduring sensory aspects of meditation for me has always been sound. You know, it's like yeah. the sense that you can hear. It's like you can hear your way across the whole world. You totally. know? There's something 
there's some fabric of like wind and air and, and, and motion and space. It's just like space, mm-hmm. but it's physical space, right? That you can, you can, and it, it, part of how I experience it is listening, you know? Oh yeah. And, uh, and I was like, oh yeah, I can relate to that. And she was, it's like she had just uncovered a little secret, you know, that, and, and it's, it's sweet when that happens. Cause then I can, I can share a lot with them. Um, it's the biophony. Whoa, that's a cool word. What's that mean? It's the, you know, the, the symphony of, you know, the, the geo, the geophony, the anth- <laughs> anthropophony, and the, you know, there's, there's basically all these different levels when you encounter a soundscape. And one is your very, very basic background, the geo, the geophony. Then you have the biophony, which is like the insects, the animals. And, you know, they're all ca- colonizing different frequencies. Literally, they're colonizing different frequencies of the soundscape. And then you have us, the anthropophony. And all, you know, so the biophony, I think, is that middle layer. Anyways, I'm just learning about soundscapes and these terms, like, are awesome. And they, they I love them because they describe what we would tune into would be, like, this incredible soundscape that you're, you know, you're describing. And you're putting it in a little bit more mystical terms, but those are the terms I really, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, so that's beautiful, man. That's, that's where I started with them. And then I also, I told them, because you know, it's, I don't know, I didn't have this, I, I don't have a, a specific plan on what I want to do. It, the way I teach and the way our school is generally is very responsive to the, to the students. So I invited them to share with me what they're interested in and what they'd like to learn about. And one of the things that I told them is, you know, about Kundalini and chakras and, you know, f- the subtle energy in the body. And they're like, ooh, ooh, chakras, what are those? You know? Yeah. So I told them a bit about that. <laughs> and because they've heard that word, you know, they live in Marin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marin, yeah. For people who don't know, give people a little kind. I know that means something to you and me, but. Oh, it's, well, Marin is, you know, north of the Golden Gate Bridge. It's the county and that's the northern part of the Bay Area. And it's just, you know, it's just very, uh, what's the word? It's, you know, it's culturally progressive. It's, you know, it's got a lot of like, roots and new age, you know, consciousness movements, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's just, you know, yeah. and spirituality are like, are part of the landscape culturally there in ways that they aren't in lots of places. It's a, you know, it's, that, that's all I mean. Yeah. Um, so they've been exposed to that kind of stuff anyway. So I, I, and I told them a little bit about Kundalini and I, I actually hesitated to teach them. Kundalini. Yeah, man. It can be overwhelming, right? Yeah. Um, and like, like, I'm not going to teach them like the locks and stuff, you know, the, like the bond does yeah yeah and all that because it's like that that's they're just gonna probably they're not gonna know what to do with that if it works even you know yeah and it might and it might really hurt so i i, I was like well i'm definitely not gonna get into that but i did actually teach them a little bit of basic like pranayama breathing to kind of pull energy up into their bodies i, I did like a, a kind of hybrid visualization by hybrid i mean you know my own kind of form of it yeah uh, that i learned from different different sources but like a a basic visualization meditation that's like a tree imagery of you know imagining a large globe of energy in the ground underneath them and then feeling the interface between their bodies sitting on the floor and in that energy and then starting to kind of reach with their awareness down through their bottoms into the ground and like pull up like they were growing tree roots you know pull energy into their bodies and, and slowly fill them up and then to the point that it's bursting out their heads and they're sending it up into the sky and then letting it cascade 
down like you know the canopy of a of a beautiful old tree mm. and uh back into the earth and so basically they get to the point where they're visualizing a circle uh with themselves as the as the trunk of the tree yeah a circle of energy coming up from very deep in the earth through their through their bodies and then out out their top of their heads and then back down to the earth and uh and just sitting with that kind of flow and then you know letting it go at the end and that they like that too they i i did some kind of simple little subtle energy exercises to get them to feel what that even feels like like the warm tingly kinds of energy quality you know and they they tried it with each other like kind of trying to feel each other's you know auras in their hands and stuff yeah i was like here try it with my hands you know and they were, they would be like oh my god uh, they would get near my hands and they'd just like freak out and i was like i was like yeah see if you if you if you know how to do this you can actually make your energy stronger and they're like what you know they couldn't believe it you know yeah but they could feel it, and, and so that was like a way to give them a kind of a signpost to that type of meditation. And then they liked that one too. They, we did that two classes ago, and then this time they just on Friday we had another class. Now, like, can we do the energy one again? So that's all I've done, really. Those yeah. two. And so for you, what would be a good outcome? Like you, you've got your. So you're halfway through, or a, a third. Some, I mean, it's it's not like it's not. I don't I don't know exactly when, but I'm probably like a third a third of the way to a half the way through, yeah. Yeah. What would be like so there are a few questions I have is like one like you know when you're teaching them literature and English there's something obviously more palpable like tangible that you're teaching them and there's like you know there's a lot of concrete ideas and you know there's established curriculum and whatnot. How so I know you're making some of this up in terms of how you're teaching them and some of this you're telling us but like what kind of ideas do you use to capture their attention and their imagination? That's like w one question. And then another question is like, yeah, what would be for you a good result? What would be a good result at the end of this course? I mean, to me, a good result is just if they, they develop interest and excitement in any form with anything connected to the domain of meditating. So yeah, that could be in meditation itself and keeping doing it or, you know, exploring it more, obviously. But it also might just be, you know, that sense of, like, encountering the world in a different way. You know, just like the story I told about CC, Yeah. Listening and just falling in love maybe in a little bit of a new way with solitude and quiet in, in, in the outdoors. That's, that's a good result. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's... For me, it's like a, it's a way to open up their humanity in all the ways that meditation can. And in that sense, it's just a, a privilege to be able to share it with them at all and respond to what they find interesting. So they definitely like the way it relaxes them. Yeah. I've had a number of them say, I was really stressed. And, you know, like I asked, so did you guys practice this week on your own? And most of them did you know like maybe once or maybe mm. more and several of them would say you know i was really i was trying to do homework and i was really anxious about it or i was struggling and so i just took, took a break and meditated for five minutes or 20 minutes or whatever one of them did it for a half hour and uh wow and then i like i felt centered and like relaxed again and then i could go back and focus on my work right so they're they're putting it to work yeah in ways that make sense to them that's that's a a good result as far as I'm concerned. Definitely. Um, 
what was the other question about what you said something like what well, images or ideas do I use to interest them? What, what yeah, was? like how you've got to improvise to keep them <laughs> keep them interested. Like yeah, you know how how do you do that? Uh, I mean, you already told us some not, of the stuff. Nothing fancy, right? It's like in the beginning, I told them that meditation is can be difficult to connect with and understand, but it's like it's like it's like a secret. It's like learning about a secret invisible power that. Mm most people don't know about unless you know but and that it's very it's very delicate and very beautiful but also very very powerful that it lets you lets you focus and be be present and engage in all kinds of things that in ways that you that you couldn't otherwise it gives you it gives you like capacities to to do things and that was interesting to them yeah i bet right it's like i don't personally like i said before i don't personally find the like temporary shift of state levels of meditation all that interesting it's like yeah sure that's fine um relax a little bit and that that's totally fine but the interesting part the, the part that always been compelling to me is that it it can actually increase the bandwidth of what you are able to perceive and respond to in yourself and in others right mm. it's it's very pragmatic yeah it's like there's a whole region of reality that it's the best way I know to encounter and develop familiarity with and facility with. Yeah. And that's just real. It's just part of being aware and awake and conscious as a, as a, as a human. Yeah. And so that's, that's why it's of enduring interest to me. And so that's kind of what I, I don't have anything particular, but when I talk to them about why, I spent so much of time in my life meditating and why it's so power, why it can be powerful for them. It's like, that's where I'm coming from, you know? Yeah. And so that, and, and I think that's of interest to them. And also, like I said before, it's just kind of over their heads, you know? So I, one of one answer to that question is I, I haven't really figured that out yet. How to really get them interested. Yeah. I think a lot of them are kind of bored, bored even after a month. Cause they've had, you know, they've had whatever experiences that they've had in the beginning and then, so a little bit of like the the novelty is worn off. Yeah. And the kind of sustained engagement required to get really deeper with meditation is something that they don't have much of a reason to try to muster or slash, I don't even know if they have the capacity to. Yeah. Some of them, some of them do. One of the eighth graders is, I can tell he's he's actually interested in what's happening. He's less demonstrative about it. You know, he has less of like the description of, oh, I'm so relaxed. He's more matter of fact about it, but I can tell he, he actually has a different kind of interest. And he's one of the ones who's really doing it on his own. Mm. He's the one who said he did it for a half hour and mm. it's kind of matter of fact about it, but he, he clearly likes it or he wouldn't be doing it. So that's, that's cool, you know? Yeah. But a little individual in that way. And I've had a few of the kids actually <laughs> sort of informally drop out of the elective because I think they they're like ah this is not for me like they get really restless and antsy you know <laughs> and, it, and it drives them nuts trying to sit still yeah didn't you tell me a story what was the story that, that there was like one of these kids who's like very hyper oh yeah I did tell you he's one of the ones who dropped out but it was a sweet it was a sweet moment nevertheless yeah that was the very very first day he has he has intense you know ADHD like he's on on medication and stuff and uh, so it's really hard for him to be still. And he was almost, there was almost like a time delay with, between him and the other kids. So 
this is when we did like, I, I think it was like five minutes and I let it go for a few more minutes because they were all in. But we started meditating and he was just like fidgeting and he was like snapping his fingers and like shaking his hands and, you know, really like couldn't sit still. And I was, uh, he was really close to me. So I'd sort of lean forward and like tap him on the shoulder and be like, Nicholas, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, try to be quiet. Okay. You know, it's a little distracting. Yeah. He, he was trying and he just had a hard time. And then like five minutes in, I looked at him and he had his hood on his sweatshirt pulled up over, he's in sixth grade, pulled up over his head almost down like over his eyes. So he was kind of like nestled into a little blanket. Yeah. And he was dead still, completely quiet and just like in in the zone, you know. And then we kind of were, everyone else was starting to get restless at that point because everyone else had kind of started, started faster. And so they were, they were coming out of it. And I even started talking to them and, and, and asking them to reflect on the experience that they just had and they were asking me questions about it and while all this is going on nicholas is like is just completely silent meditating still wow. he hasn't opened his eyes you know he's just in and uh and the kids kind of were looking at him and looking at me and i was like it's okay nicholas is nicholas is feeling it he's uh, he can keep going that's fine you know i was kind of i was making him feel good about it yeah and so letting him know that i saw him and that it was cool but he didn't even flinch he didn't he, he didn't crack a smile there was no response mm. at all. He was just—he was really, really in, you know. Nice. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, maybe that—I don't know what exactly scared him or made made him decide he didn't want to do it. But who knows? It could have been some. Maybe something happened that was also a little frightening because it yeah. was new. I don't really know. Yeah. But uh, it's you know it's up to them. So yeah, I've even there's been some afternoons where they're like, ah, you know, we just had PE. I'm like, I can't sit still right now, and I'm I say that's fine. You can go. Do, you can go go do something else. You know? Yeah. It's a voluntary thing. Yeah. So kind of getting towards the end here, but another question I have is what, if anything has surprised you about their responses? I mean, that, that one was a good story, but have there been any, like any questions or responses that have surprised you? The main thing I, I suppose that surprised me is how quickly some of them felt effects and, and really, and were able to express them, you know, so they, the ways that it, it relaxed them and, you know, with the Kundalini stuff, like a number of them were, were describing the movement of energy in their bodies in, in ways that made me, made, made it clear to me that there was really something happening. Yeah. And I was surprised at how fast that happened, um, mm. how easy it was in some ways for them to have the kind of initial encounters with this territory yeah it wasn't strongly surprising but i was, I was very pleasantly surprised uh, yeah by the, at the very beginning they're like this is great it's, it's so relaxing i feel really good you know i like being relaxed like this yeah yeah that's about it i think mm. all right man mm. well maybe what we can do is check in with you again down the road but this has been great and it's really great to it's great to hear about it and uh thank you for coming on do you you got is there anything else you want to share or you know it, i'm i'm new i'm new as a teacher yeah and i'm also new to mindfulness slash meditation in school you know yeah. no we never did that in school when i was when i was growing up not even close and so i think there's a lot of there's a lot of basic value that can come from it and also there's i think there's a lot of more subtle harder to pin down value too just like you were saying about 
so yeah, teaching literature and, and teaching writing and and communication and all that has all of its pedagogy and it's like it's measurable outcomes that you're shooting for, and it's a way to you know the arts in general and language are are ways to just open up dimensions of humanity and of the world themselves, right? And that's kind of a big part of the love that I have and many people have for academic life is the, you know, is the interface between the, the subject and then who we are and what the world is. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is like mm. that. It's like, there's basic stuff that you can teach them how to do, like how to relax, but also there's all the human elements of being with themselves, with each other, with, you know, even with a teacher in a, in a way that's very intimate and very different than they normally are that I think is really wonderful. Yeah. Um, and I don't know quite how to measure or articulate the the long-term results of that, but as like a three-dimensionality of like human thriving in an educational context, I think it's a beautiful piece of the puzzle that could probably be used much more and, uh, you know, can be done in a totally secular, non-offensive way. Yeah. Uh, to anybody, <laughs> any tradition, you know. Yeah. Like one of the one of my kids, his mom's a rabbi. And uh and she came up to me after school one day. She was like, This is amazing that you're teaching them meditation. Thank you. Eli loves it. Wow. And he 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 like every every time you have the he he always comes home and talks about it. And, you know, it's something that he's encountered before. He's involved in, you know, Jewish life with his congregation and stuff. So he he has a real interest in it, you know. I just think it's great to be able to offer that kind of thing. It's, yeah. it's lucky to be in an independent school where I can do it. Yeah, uh, and it's it's certainly satisfying personally to be able to bring something that's been so dear to me in my life, in my being, bring it out explicitly in this way to share it with uh, with the students that I'm mentoring. So I look forward to seeing where it goes, and we can yeah we can follow it up in a month or who knows maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll keep doing this and we can follow up in five years. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> it's fun to share it. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me to, uh, to tell the story. Yeah, man. Well, I know you're a great teacher. You have taught me many things and uh, I was excited to have you on here. Is there, is there anything? Well, so everyone in one of Ross's previous incarnations, he was <laughs> a, you know, he wrote for this magazine, What is Enlightenment, which then became Enlighten Next. And he is a fabulous writer and journalist. I guess I would call you a journalist. Is that the right word? Yeah. And uh, is there yeah, any, sure. I'd, I'd love to link. Uh, did you, I missed that. What did you say? Oh, I just said editor, writer. Yeah. Editor, writer. You were all of it, all of the above. Awesome. And is there any way we can link to some of your articles? Do they exist anywhere? Not online. No, no, no. There's no, there's no archive anywhere. I mean, there are like places that probably publish stuff without our permission that are still floating around here. I could send you a PDF though if you want to just like put it in. Yeah, why not? It'd yeah, be great. I, have, I, I can send you a PDF of the bright green piece. That's that's probably my favorite one. Yeah. So I don't know if that's, if you want another. If there's a different one that you feel like would be more connected to the subject matter that we're talking about, I can see what else I might be able to scrounge up. Yeah. Well, everyone, look in the show notes for this episode, and we will uh, Ross and I will talk offline, figure out what to hook up. We'll put some PDFs in there that you can check out. Ross, he's a great writer, and and it's a lot of fun to read his articles. They're 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 an adventure. 
and they're in education. They're full of really rich insights. So I think you'll like that. And、uh, if you want to learn more about like states and stages, we did an episode on that with a gentleman named Ted Sod, and I, I will link that up in the show notes too, so you can learn all about different states of awareness. So awesome, Ross! Thank you, man. You're welcome. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ross Robertson. If you want to follow up on any of the links we mentioned, you can do that in the show notes over at aboutmeditation.com/podcast. That's aboutmeditation.com/podcast. Also, if you're a regular listener and enjoy the show, why not leave us a rating? And a review over on iTunes. That is by far the best way to help other meditators discover our show. And I'll tell you what: we read every review, and we appreciate everything you say. So you can do that over at aboutmeditation.com/itunes. That's aboutmeditation.com/itunes. And if you haven't already, you can pick up. Two free guided meditations and our meditation for life three-part seminar over at aboutmeditation.com. I recommend you pick those up. There's some great free resources. Just head on over to aboutmeditation.com and you will see that offer. Great. So let's wrap it up and end with a quote. And this one is from the poet W. H. Auden from The Labyrinth. He says, "The center that I cannot find is known to my unconscious mind. I have no reason to despair because I am already there."